Blog Talk Radio. Greetings and good evening. Welcome to tonight's edition of the Psychic Inside Show. My name is Joelle, and I'm the Vibrarian. I am your host for this conversation. My goal is to elevate, enlighten, and empower you with information and experiences that I trust you will find uplifting, because I certainly do. I'm here each week on the Vibrary Radio Network on Blog Talk Radio on Tuesday evenings. The show line is 646-787-8436. You can give me a call during the broadcast. If you have a question for my guest at any time, just press the pound one, the, the hashtag one, as you know it in Twitter world, and I will get you on the air as soon as possible. Now, we're streaming live here, and while that's happening, we have online community coming together. I like to call it the Good Vibe Tribe, and you can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. You can find me at The Vibrarian. Now, everybody says, what is that word? I'm a librarian who's elevated to a higher frequency. So, Vibrarian is B-I-B-E, as in energy, I-A-N. If you're out there on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and you're seeing things that you think are positive and uplifting and you want to share them, I am absolutely about amplifying and spreading the good. So, please, Tag me, tag Good Vibe Tribe, tag Get Lifted, send it to me because I will absolutely reshare that information far and wide. I think we spend entirely too much time passing on the negative and all the dramatic stuff, and I would rather be engaged in spreading a little bit of sunshine everywhere I go. Now, the Psychic Inside Show, I believe that all of us are psychic. Everyone is psychic. You just may not recognize it or realize it. And in sharing the stories with the people who I interview each week, my sincerest desire is that you will hear something that sounds somewhat familiar maybe to an aspect of your life or your experience, and through and hearing these people's stories, it will absolutely then shift your perspective and hopefully bring you into a place of more acceptance a part of who you are. Now, sometimes on our show, we have psychics who offer psychic readings, and we have callers on the line during the shows who are wanting to take advantage of that conversation. Tonight is not that night. My author this evening is not giving psychic readings, but I will tell you that he has something that I think is very valuable for you to Read, and I mean read literally. My guest this evening is, I can't even begin to encapsulate his bio because he's an author, he's a triathlete, he is a motivational speaker, and from what I can tell, just like a really exciting and happy guy. So I'm very pleased this evening to have on the Psychic Inside Show my guest, G. Brian Benson. Brian, welcome to the Psychic Inside Show. Hello, Joel. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank I'm you. really excited to have you on, and I have to share with everyone. <laughs> I am yeah. a real live librarian, okay? So I do truly love books. I'm a reader at heart. And so in getting ready for this show, I purchased a copy of Brian's book, Habits for Success, Inspired Ideas to Help You Soar. 
And it says create your foundation of happiness, balance, and fulfillment. Brian, I am really enjoying what I have read so far in your book. And I'm learning a little bit about you through the pages, but there's so many aspects of your life that are intriguing that, okay, let me just start to say one of the most unique things I read about you is that you have actually biked across the United States of America. How does one wake up and say, I'm hopping, I mean, I've seen Forrest Gump, right? He started running across the country, but I mean, how did you come to be on a bicycle biking across the highways and byways of this country of ours? Oh, well, well, I, when I was in college, I kind of, I was, I was, pretty active and I was doing triathlons, you know, where you swim, bike and run those races at the time. And I kind of always felt like I'd like to ride my bike across the country. And, oh, geez, about five or six years later, uh, the opportunity to do it just kind of fell into my lap. Uh, I was working at a place and my, I was going to be leaving there. It was in Northern California and I was going to be heading back up to Oregon to run my family business. And I had about six months before I was to take over and so a, a friend of mine who I worked with in Northern California told me about this bike ride that he had done 10 years before. It was a fundraiser. And I thought, wow. And so I got in contact with the people that, were, that put it on every year, and I signed myself up. And so I kind of just kind of fell into my lap, and I had this little block of the summer to do it on, and it just, it just came together. And it was a truly a magical experience. Um, you know, not only because we were, you know, making a difference, but uh, I just got to see so many different parts of the U.S. on my bike. I mean, we went through big cities, uh, Chicago, Pittsburgh, Minneapolis, and, and D.C., and that's where we finished. We started in Seattle, and so I kind of did a northern route, and it was just awesome. Uh, we stayed at an abbey with monks in North Dakota. We stayed on an on a, uh, Indian reservation, Native American Indian reservation in Montana. We stayed at a, kind of an Amish community in Pennsylvania. So little tiny towns, big cities. We just went through Yellowstone. So just really saw, you know, all the different aspects of America uh, over a course of nine weeks. And there was oh, nine weeks. And, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and there was 20 of us, and we knew where we were going every day. We had the, you know, the route kind of planned, and we knew what city we were headed to, and and some, you know, you could kind of go at your own pace. I mean, I was a cyclist, and I was, you know, some days I felt like just going by myself and just hammering, and other days I, you know, hung out and just rode kind of a little le- more leisurely pace with some other folks, and you know, uh, it was just really, really amazing. And one day a week, we would stay at a place for an extra day and do a community service project. And so mm. it was just just fascinating. That is amazing. I mean, I can't even imagine, uh, you know, like the Great American Road Trip, even <laughs> in a car, and here you are uh, bicycling. I, I had to be just really curiosities and then commonalities, like you got to see the things that were different about each place and then the things that were common about each place mm-hmm. as well. Was your group like of all ages of people who were doing this? Yeah. Or was it mostly adult well, kind people? Of. Or? Well, actually, I was the second oldest person. I had just turned 30. There was another guy that was a couple years older than me. So most of the people were probably college students age. 
Uh, there's a few people in their 20s. So, I, you know, um, so probably between about 18 and 34 or something. Mm. So now, younger, yeah. Now, and your ultimate goal of this was actually a service call because you were then raising money for something that you felt worthwhile about getting on your bicycle and bicycling thousands of miles for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it, was, it was called Bike Aid, and the money that we raised went to a whole bunch of different kind of uh, self-sustainable grassroots-type programs. And we, we, the people that had set it up 10 years before and, you know, had, had it going annually really had it dialed in nicely. And they, they connected with a lot of really cool, unique um, nonprofits along the way. And so we got to learn about them along the way. And at the very end, um, there was two other groups. There was one that left from Portland and one from San Francisco <clears throat> as well. So there's three groups of us heading across America, and we all finished in D.C. at the same time. And we mm. voted on to how to allot that money that was raised. And, and I think altogether we raised $150,000 between um, probably about 60 people. And, mm. uh, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was, That's it was awesome. really cool. Yeah, I was able to, you know, be of service while also having just – an adventure of a lifetime. Now, have you written a book about that experience or is one in the works at some point? Because it seems like that would really be a collection of fascinating people who you had conversation with and encountered along that trip. Well, no, you're right. And I mean, I think I, I have a little bit in the book that habits that I talk about and I've, and I've briefly talked about it in different different things here and there, but no, I, I, um, I'd like to flesh that out a little bit more and, and you know, make, <laughs> write, 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 write some more on that for sure. <laughs> now, for sure. It, you seem to be a person to wear a physical aspect. Uh, you know, I can, never, I can honestly say I've only seen the triathlons on TV and yeah. Iron Men and all of that, you know, I, I have absolutely respect for those who seek to challenge themselves through their physicality. But it seems like you kind of have like a real go get it, get it done kind of drive in your nature. <laughs> well, I definitely feel like I've lived many lifetimes. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> I just I just get an idea about something, and I guess I just I'm pretty good at at, at um, manifesting it or or seeing it through. You know, the the triathlons kind of came about uh, while I was in college. Like I mentioned earlier, I had a knee injury, and I was playing mud football. My kneecap got knocked out of place, and so I had to have surgery. I went through the whole rehab of that, and a couple of my buddies had done a short race the year before and a short triathlon, and, and that really kind of intrigued me. It was still very, very new at the time. And uh, so I set my goal of getting myself in shape and, and doing that the next summer. And so that's what I did. And I kind of got hooked. I ended up doing four more races that summer and 10 the next year. And that third summer, um, I probably did five or six and I did my first Ironman as well. And it just kind of became a lifestyle for me. And, and it, it made me feel a lot. It made me feel alive, you know, and uh, Mm -hmm. Well, you talk about having like a um, 
like a feeling, like you just wanted to to do it, or you were curious uh, curious about it, and that seems to be yes. a you know a common theme for you is that when something has kind of called to you, you yes. answered, and not only do you what? answer, you seem to answer pretty wholeheartedly with a hundred and fifty percent of yourself. <laughs> Well, I try. Uh, you know, there's a part of me that um, that it is probably a bit driven, and you know, it's it's allowed me to learn some lessons as well. You know, on on. Uh, but yes, uh, you know, with the books and and when I left my family business ten years ago, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in a little bit, mm-hmm. I just that, those were feelings that you know, it was a feeling that it's like I, I felt like I was done growing there, and it was time to to leave. I felt like I had this gift inside of me that needed to come out and I didn't know what it was, but I knew that I needed to try and release it. And so um, I left after running it for 11 years and then just, I just kind of kept following those intuitive nudges and one thing led to another, led to another, led to another. And, and here I am today, 10 years later doing all these things that I really had no idea were inside of me at all at all. And, I, uh, I love that you said that, you know, following your intuitive nudges and therein lies like a real key point of our conversation this evening. You know, yes, this show is about the psychic inside, right? So a lot of people mm-hmm. think that that means you're going to be sitting with the crystal ball when you do that <laughs> and that you're going to be divining people's fortunes and all the things, or Miss Cleo as my friends sometimes tease me, you know, about, but <laughs> yeah. what you were thing is that there was just something that did not have a logical and in fact in some cases it defied all of your logic and trajectory up to that point and you still then went ahead now you, you know you talk about how you were deeply involved in a family business and at some point there was something within your spirit then that inner nudge that was actually nudging you away from all that had been built by you and through your family up into that mm-hmm. point. So mm-hmm. share with us a little bit then about that. I mean, I have an insight because I've been reading the book, <laughs> but for our listeners yeah, no, who are okay. just coming to understand, what is what did that look like for you in your kind of early life or midlife crisis or if you will change (laughs) well we had it was a golf center up in salem oregon we had a driving range a retail store and a nine-hole par three course and you know i started working there when i was in seventh grade i would pick the balls up we had this beat up little riding lawnmower and we put this makeshift uh wire chicken wire cage around it to protect me from getting hit by the balls. And, um, you know, I did that. And then I worked there in high school, you know, I started working behind the counter and, uh, I didn't work there too much in college because I stayed down, uh, in the city where I was going to college and did some lifeguarding and swim lessons instead. But, um, yeah, I ended up going back there, um, a few years after I got out of college and ran it for 11 years. And, you know, I, that place was just kind of part of my life, and it kind of, I, I grew up there. You know, I learned how to communicate with others and, and you know, learn work, at, uh, you know, develop a work ethic, and, uh, you know, I had a lot of memories um, for a variety of different reasons. And so, 
when I started to feel like, you know, it's, it's, it's time to leave, I knew that I had to honor that, but it was not totally easy. Um, I was a little nervous wanting to go speak with my father about it, but, but thank goodness, you know, I would have done it either way, but he was, he was understanding and just wanted me to, to be happy. And so, um, so that was helpful. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he kind of gave me his blessing and it ended up taking me a year to actually leave because, uh, he decided to sell it. And so mm-hmm. I had to stay around that year while we listed it and, you know, searched out a buyer. And so, um, that was, that was not easy cause I was really ready to hit the road and just kind of see what was next, but it mm-hmm. ended up being, um, a blessing in disguise because my uh, first book kind of accidentally happened at the tail end of being there, you know, so which ended up pointing me in this whole new direction. So um, during that last period of time while being at the business uh, that last year, I I was just, I was feeling out of balance and I Mm. just was my, my hunches told me to sit down and, and, uh, write down a handful of things that I knew that would help me during that time period. And so I did, I came up with a little five, you know, a little list. Uh, one was make sure I was drinking mm-hmm. enough water. The second one was make sure that I was getting enough exercise or get some daily exercise. Uh, the third one was to uh, make sure I was getting enough sleep. Um, another one was to make sure that I was allowing myself to have some alone time every day. Cause that's how I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, refuel. I'm, I'm kind of an outgoing introvert. And then the last one is to make sure that I was allowing myself to be creative every day. And for me back then, being creative was just to play my guitar. So I did those things. And they really, they helped me kind of through that period. And and then my intuition said, expand the list and write a book. You know, and I'd never written yes. anything before. <laughs> so, I saw that. I, I actually have that yeah. page, uh, you know, marked in the book because I thought, well, that was a really good basic list of starter things like drinking enough water and daily exit, you know, um, there's things that people think, oh, why do I have to make a list to remember to drink enough water and have some <laughs> daily alone time? But in reality, with our distractive society, and you wrote this book <laughs> years ago, before the social media era probably was so entrenched in our life. Yeah, um, yeah. But to start with that five things, you know, and so I had made a note to myself to make my list mm. of those things as well. And I was, thought it was curious uh-huh. because you had 26 and a half easy to, <laughs> yeah. easy, I, I, easy to use ideas on how to live a fun, balanced, healthy life. So what's the half? <laughs> what's the half of it's, an idea? It's just, <laughs> it's, it's goofy. It's just, it's, um, I think I had, I had, God, when I had 26 and a friend of mine said, you know, it should be an even number. And I said, eh, I'm just going to make it really weird just to make it memorable. <laughs> so that, the half is just kind of an extra chapter where I just list out a bunch of other things that are kind of self-explanatory and I don't talk about them in depth. <laughs> oh. So, so well, there you definitely- have, yeah. 
<laughs> well, it was definitely helpful. Uh, the chapter that, uh, you know, um, your your book is really based on chapters that are many lessons. I, I found myself thinking, okay, I was going to be reading kind of this linear story type uh, uh, mm-hmm. thing, but it, your book is actually a very useful tool because there are questions at the end of each uh, discourse for helping you, like, really dig deeper into what your the topic mm-hmm. is of that chapter. And in this case, in the chapter of, of uh, balance, you know, this is where you were talking about your list and having the balance in your life. And I thought it was key because you were saying, like, well, I had material comfort. I had invested time and effort in something that was also a shared activity with my father, you know, a family bonding mm-hmm. type situation. Um, that it had been part of your reality, but something in your spirit then was still out of balance. And to most people, then that's the point when they hear you say, oh, well, you just need to so-and-so, or you need to look at this again because, (laughs) you know, not everybody has a blah, 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 you know what I'm saying? But you were like, no, there's something in me that needs a different sense of equilibrium. I don't know. You didn't know at that point in time what it was you were wanting, but you knew that it was not found on the links. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It just, uh, I think, and I think you probably agree that um, we don't always, it's, it's, we are, we're always, I mean, I'm no different. We're always wanting to try and control the situation and control things, but, but to really trust and honor our intuition, it takes trust and, and not knowing what's going to be coming next. It's just, you just kind of got to follow that feeling. And for me, um, I'm very, I feel very fortunate that I have been able to do that. I mean, I still have my areas where I have fear and stuff like that. And I'm trying to, you know, continually working on things, but, but I, I've been able to at least um, know and trust my intuition and, and that, you know, it, it takes, it takes practice and it just takes a few times just to kind of, you know, get into it. I think if, if people have never done that, but, but uh you know, and balance, one of the great things about being in balance is, I mean, there's so many benefits from it, but you can hear your intuition come through stronger the more in balance mm-hmm. you are. Yeah. You know, so I don't think it's any accident. Well, I was just say, I don't think mm-hmm. it's any accident that my first book was on a whole bunch of different ways to, uh, to learn how to stay in balance because I then, you know, uh, became highly sensitive to like what what worked for me, what didn't work for me, and it's helped you know helped me along the road. Mm-hmm. Well, you talked about like ways to perceive what your intuitive messages are. That um, you talked about like feeling restlessness or. Um, people maybe repeatedly bringing stuff to your attention, like, you know, you should write a book. And you're like, uh-huh. oh, you know, you should write a book. Uh-huh. And then you're like, well, dang it, how many people are going to come up to me and tell me I should write a book? Are you trying to tell me something, universe? You know, yeah. um, you know, and that gut feeling. But you also talk about the fact that you might actually become ill. Now, had you reached a point of, like, personal stress 
where you had started to have more negative backlash from not honoring that gut, or were you mm. able to kind of move a little quicker through that? No, that's interesting. Um, wow. I, well, I think I have a couple different potential um, answers for you. One, you know, I think just currently, if if I go, if I'm working too hard or if I'm not giving myself the breaks that I need or, you know what I mean, um, and, and really um, playing and doing some of the things that we all need to do in addition to, you know, to, to do our work, I, I, I will get sick. And it's just kind mm-hmm. of spirit saying it's forcing me to take a break. Um, but, but to go back a little bit, around the time when I was starting to feel like it was time to leave, um, I picked up a staph infection in my knee, which was really odd, mm. and then they kind of misdiagnosed it. And so it ended up, ended up having to have it drained like 10 times, which is very painful. And then mm. the doctor missed it. And then one guy, I don't know, some internal internist or something got saw a copy of the whatever, and he noticed that I'd had an infection. And I had to go in for emergency surgery like a, a day later and then I had to go get mm-hmm. antibiotics in my VM, you know, in my arm for a month like six weeks every day and so it was just like a, a real excuse my French shitty mm-hmm. experience and mm-hmm. so um, you know I don't know if I'd come to the point of telling my dad that I needed to leave by then but but uh, I don't know sometimes that may or may not have played a part, but sometimes physical ailments, if we're not, if we're not, you know, doing what we're supposed to be doing, um, will, will hamper us. You know, it's interesting that you talk about the knee because, um, I think it's in Louise Hay, uh, who wrote the book, yeah. You Can Heal Your Life. I believe mm-hmm. that the knee is associated with restricted forward motion in our lives. <laughs> exactly, so, right. And so if that was the case, it fits perfectly, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, but it's like in looking back, like you can see maybe the connectivity, but at the time you were just dealing with like a real personal crisis of your health, you know. Um, oh, yeah. It's so it's so interesting because you're saying here that um, – a lot of times people aren't taught how to trust or that what they are experiencing is their intuition. It seems to me like because of your athletic kind of background, a lot of sports is really like your gut kind of telling you, okay, where is the opening? When to do that? Mm. You know, oh, this person is, you know, you, you hone your senses, especially when you have opponent-based sports, to be able to sense mm-hmm. their energy so that you can beat them to the punch or all of those things. So it seems that your intuitive follow-through might have been just a little quicker than some because you came from an active kind mm-hmm. of engagement, if you will. But well, you still didn't necessarily yeah. call it at that point following your intuition. You were just like, I, I don't really. You mentioned being feeling authentic. You did not feel like you were living in your true authenticity, although you did not know what would actually fulfill and make you feel more truthful to your being. I think that's so interesting because mm. 
uh, authenticity is one of those things that's a very personal viewpoint, whereas other people may sense oh, yeah. you as, well, you're fake as a $4 bill, and you're like, <laughs> I'm being my authentic self. Or other people are saying, wow, this is just so perfect for you, and you're like, uh, I'm not really feeling that. you know. So this, that's a very personalized perspective. It's yeah, it sure is, and uh, mm, I'm not quite sure how to answer that. But uh, well, uh, <laughs> when you yeah, talk no, about yeah. that, you, mm-hmm. you say here in your book that when we are being true to ourselves and moving toward authenticity, others will bear witness and want to do the same. I think that it is incredibly important. It's a great way to find and share inspiration along the journey. And that really is, to me, what your books are doing, is uh, giving others an opportunity to see what it is like for Brian to have moved from a place of point A to point B mm. to point C in an ever-going quest to become more true to who you are. Um, and you're, you're not just writing books. Like, you are speaking in forums and, at like, TED Talks. I think that's really cool. You're the first TED Talker <laughs> that I've <laughs> encountered, right? which is awesome because you don't just get to talk people on TED because you have something interesting that you're, you know, wanting to do. You actually, it's like a significant thing every time Dick and Harry doesn't speak on there. <laughs> so to be able to use mm. that platform uh, in addition to your books, to speak about this process and what worked for you, I think that's just really awesome. <laughs> thank you. I mean, oh, thank you. I mean, ultimately, I just kind of, I just, I, I guess, I see myself as just someone who, I just want to be a living example for others. That if I can step out of my comfort zones and kind of, you know, learn how to follow my intuition, anybody can. And I just want to. I'm not really don't really try to ever tell anybody what to do, you know, in, in any of my, um, you know, the books or the videos or, you know, all the content that I, I love to create positive content. And, uh, you know, I just try to share and tell stories and, and, um, you know, inspire and, and get people to, to really, I think ultimately, you know, as spiritual beings having human experience, we're here to learn and grow in the, I think, almost the ultimate, most ultimate task that we've been given is to learn how to love and accept ourselves. And so I guess with all that I'm trying to do, I guess ultimately I'm trying to get people to, to learn how to love and accept themselves more. Um, because, you know, as I work on it myself, uh, because once we mm-hmm. do that, I think if you can love yourself, everything else falls into place. Mm-hmm. Would you say at the point that you departed the, the first trajectory then of the family business, did you mm-hmm. do you feel like that you were in love with yourself? Oh no, I've had to I've had to do a lot of work on my self acceptance. Still do, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> you know, it's, isn't it beautiful it's, to uh, fall in love with yourself over your lifetime? <laughs> you know. Well, now, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just it's just it's like a it's a full acceptance. It, you know, it's a it's a self acceptance of who we are and what we have to work with and. And um, ultimately, I think that's what we all want. And so if we can see other people sitting comfortably in that, um, 
you know, it's, it's inspiring for us to kind of try and learn how to do it ourselves. Although it's kind of one of those things that we don't really know that we're doing and, and, it, and it, you know, it comes out in all kinds of different ways uh, as we try to fill those voids. Um, and those use those voids usually do not bring us the, the inner happiness that we, that we desire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, when you created space for your new trajectory, you talk about mm-hmm. how it took you about a year to wind down the actual te- uh, technicalities of the business. So at the end of that, say, one year, and the ink is dry on the, the sale, and what <laughs> what happens next when the door then has closed on the one aspect? Where were you at that point then? Okay, so I think we did the transfer of the sale like in July of 2008, and so I had planned on – uh, moving to Reno, Nevada from Salem, Oregon in October, late October. Um, I have a son, he's 25 now, and he was just entering high school about 30 miles away from Reno in Northern California. So I wanted to be near him while he was in high school as well as start to kind of reinvent myself. And so I had, you know, about three three months to kind of three or four months to prepare for the move. And I was still rehabbing my knee. So I was trying to walk every day and start to get it stronger again after having the surgery. And, um, you know, and just kind of really started uh, getting rid of a lot of stuff, <laughs> you know, cause mm-hmm. I, I had, you know, had, I had a condominium and it was, you know, fully furnished and had all kinds of, you know, I love history and I had all kinds of collections and stuff like that. And so I just kind of started purging a lot of that and mm. um, making my life a little bit simpler. I mean, mm-hmm. I had no idea then what lay before me. I really didn't. I just knew all, I knew that the self-help and I was, and I was finishing the self-help book and self-publishing okay. at that, that time period as well. So I really had no idea what was ahead of me. Um, but I was just kind of, you know, just, just beginning to um, start another chapter. Now, you're writing the book now you like wrote it yourself during that time Mm -hmm. then and Mm -hmm. uh did you then self-publish or like Mm -hmm. i mean i guess it's like how do you say i'm writing a book today and you start uh putting together your topic was that stressful for you did you enjoy it was it no no like another Okay. Yeah, no, it it felt like I was, you know, it wasn't like all systems go. And so, you know, it's, 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 um, it's, it's, I'm proud of, really proud of how it turned out. It's a simple book, but, um, you know, I just kind of poured through me and I think I wrote it in a little, you know, a little over a month. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so I, you know, I knew someone who had self-published a book before. And so I called her up and she gave me some tips and gave me, put me in touch with an editor and, um, a layout person and I don't think mm-hmm. Amazon create space was around then. So mm-hmm. I just, she also recommended a printer and I just, I, I, I shouldn't have ordered this many, but I ordered 2000 <laughs> copies. I was a, I was a fool. I've always been, my eyes have always been bigger than my stomach. And um, so there I had this self-help book and, um, but it was perfect because it, it didn't sell very much initially because, I, number one, I didn't know how to market it. And number two, I was terrified to speak in front of people. So mm-hmm. 
Um, I just started feeling like I needed to work on that because if I wanted to share the message, I needed to overcome that fear. So then at Reno, I just, you know, uh, we can talk about, you know, all the different things I did step out of my comfort zone if you want to. Well, I'm coming to that next, but I wanted to know, yeah. did you feel then that, did you rate the book as a success at that point, or were you feeling good and bad, or did you feel like, wow, that was, uh, I got to do better? I mean, like, where <laughs> were you with the whole whole thing? I was I was really proud of myself for, for doing mm-hmm. it, you know, I mean, because it's a lot of work to, self, to self-publish a book, and... and um, so I was really proud of it. I, I think one of the ways that my, maybe myself, I, I'm a giver by nature, and I think one of the ways that also my uh, part of me that wasn't, it was interesting. I gave away a ton of books instead of, instead of trying to sell mm-hmm. them to family and friends. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, looking back, you know, if a friend of mine makes, writes a book, I, I want to support him. You know, I know they would have done the same thing, but. So I, I didn't sell a whole lot, a lot initially, um, but I was very proud of it. And, you know, so I felt right. very good about it. And, and my mother reminded me around then also that when I was three, I told her I was put here to inspire people. <laughs> and so it's, so it kind of, it was, it kind of made me think. Um, well, okay, I guess maybe I'm on the road to that. And that kind of mm-hmm. messed me up a little bit, though, too, because I felt like um, I was going to be an overnight success. And it's, mm-hmm. it's embarrassing to even mention it. And so my expectations got the best of me. And, and uh, you know, at different times, it did win a couple of awards, which, which blew me away, and I did not expect that. And so that probably fed that fire a little bit as well. Um, mm-hmm. So... You know, things take a lot longer than one thinks they're going to take. And mm-hmm. so the lesson I learned in that was just to, you know, just really just enjoy the creative process, which I did, and just, just mm-hmm. trust that it will get out to those who need to see it at the, at the time that they're supposed to see it. And, and so um, and that, that helped me a little bit later on um, deal with, uh, you know, just things not happening as quickly as I was writing for them to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I thought that it was important. That's why I asked because a lot of times mm-hmm. what happens then is that we get gung ho. Like we say, "Well, I'm going to ride my bike across the country." Like I think <laughs> I signed up for the breast cancer three day or something a few years ago, and I call, you know start walking to try to get myself together and ready for that. And my first time trying to walk around Stone Mountain Park, which was like less than five miles. I was thought I was doing something. I I hadn't even got to one mile yet. Okay, so I got kind of you know I was like, wow, I'm not exactly achieving the spectacular woo that I thought that I would. <laughs> and so that can actually be very discouraging for people when mm-hmm. they're looking at, well, it didn't sell. I have copies in my basement still, you know, but the fact that uh-huh. you gave it away and got positive feedback 
was enough for you to be like, yeah, and I, you, you say you enjoyed the process of actually bringing that book forward. So I think that's really important because another person might have scurried back to, you couldn't go back to your family business because it had been so, but like to what was comfortable and familiar that you had already gotten a sense of competency about, but mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. did not do that. You continued then to move and push yourself. You talk about moving out of your comfort zone as well. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you talk about public speaking was like a very big challenge for you in terms of where you felt you wanted to go. Can you, you know, like what was speaking like for you before this point, that point? Well, I hadn't really had a whole lot of public speaking experiences. I think I took a class in college and, you know, it was okay. But uh, while I was at the family business, we were members of our local chamber of commerce and it was a really good one. And they met once a week and, yeah, there was a couple hundred people that would show up and they'd pass the mic around and you'd say something. And I was always a little nervous to do that. Or we hosted it at our place a couple of times and, you know, I'd have to speak a little bit. And it was, it was just, I don't know. I just, I think it all stemmed from that part of me that um, didn't feel adequate or whatever, you know, um, looking back. And, um, and, and it seems weird because here I, you know, I had all these successes with the triathlons and other stuff and, you know, been successful in other things. I mean, prior to doing doing what I'm doing now, but yet it still was a part of me that didn't feel that worthy. And so I, I really fought that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd really done a lot of speaking up to that point. And so you didn't then just start busting out like, well, I'm going to talk. You like actually went and armed yourself with the tools that you That's right, yeah. support that. So uh, you talk about Toastmasters. I am like, I've not ever been in Toastmasters myself personally, but I know the value of that program from countless people who have spoken about overcoming absolute terror at public speaking. Mm. How long were you then are you still doing Toastmasters or is it like, cause I mean, no, of course it's no, ongoing. I I, <laughs> no, no. So for when I, so after I moved to Reno, the first thing I did was take a couple of community college speech classes. Mm-hmm. And then I joined Toastmasters and, um, and I was probably, I wasn't in it that long. I was probably in it maybe nine months or a year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it, I, I, it was a great place for me to just, have an audience and learn the basics, you know, like you said, um, 35 times in your last speech, you know, just basic <laughs> stuff like that. And they were very kind people. And so it was wonderful. And, but then I started, I don't know, I, I probably, I probably got a little scared, believe it or not. I mean, cause you go through different levels. I mean, there was a combination of me not really feeling like it was the way I wanted to speak. I think, Looking back, I, I didn't know it at the time, but I do much better just doing what we're doing right now, uh, taking questions, using the energy of the room, and just letting kind of, you know, source come through me rather than regurgitate something. That that scares mm-hmm. me. It still does. I, I, I fear that I'm going to forget something. Um, you know, I can – so – um, it just didn't feel, I don't know. I mean, I did all kinds of other things around that same time too. I, I hired someone to co-host an internet radio show with me who had been doing it for a long time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I created a workshop that I made interactive. I thought I was being clever, so I wouldn't have to talk the whole time, <laughs> but I found out it worked really well that way. Mm-hmm. Um, after the workshop came out, or after I finished writing it, I, I ran it in, in front of five friends of mine, and they really liked it. And it, and it kind of surprised me, but they thought it was a really good concept to the way that I, that I set it up. And so being the silly guy that I was, I, the next day I got a map out and drew a big circle through Utah, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, and California, and I set up a 15-stop, like 23-day trip um, to do book signings and workshops. And I was on the road three mm. weeks after I did it in front of my friends. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, I, I really went for it. Um, now, I learned a lot of lessons on that trip. Um, one is marketing is very important. <laughs> so I, you know, I didn't market a lot of the events. I didn't know how. I mean, I didn't know the cities and the areas and where to even market it. This was way back in 2009, and, and social media mm-hmm. wasn't what it is today either. Mm-hmm. But um, it was very humbling. You know, some places there was nobody there. Uh, mm-hmm. Other places I had one or two. And, uh, and in a few others I had 15 or 20. And and so, uh, you know, I'm glad I did it. I didn't sell a whole lot of books, but I learned a lot. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I had feedback sheets that I would hand out after the workshop or after, after the, yeah, after the workshop. And uh, more than once, somebody, somebody would write more, more of a better eye contact. <laughs> I was so shy. Um, mm-hmm. you know, in the very first place that I went to, um, was in a little tiny farming community called Delta, Utah. And it was the first town that I kind of crossed after driving like eight or nine hours across the Nevada desert. And when I was setting this up, I, I just called their chamber of commerce and I said, you know, I asked if they had any bookstores. And she said, well, we're pretty small. What are, you, what are you wondering about? Said, well, I told her that I wanted to, you know, to do workshops. And uh, she said, well, I'd like to speak at our monthly chamber luncheon. And so that was my very first time talking in front of anybody after you know three weeks after i did it in front of my friends and here i am in front of nine people most of them are farmers really kind people but mm-hmm. they're trying to eat their lunch is the back room of a mexican restaurant and they're trying to eat their lunch <laughs> while i'm trying to have them interact with so i was like oh my mm-hmm. god what have i got myself into but uh <laughs> but you're here you were then speaking to a chamber of commerce and you had been at chamber of commerce meetings with your family business for years so Yes, so interesting. Smaller, smaller, but yes, yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) One thing that's so interesting that I find as a consistent theme is that people are they move into things where all of the ingredients that they actually need have come already from previously seemingly unrelated experiences. But at the time then that the full flowering comes forth, it's like, wow, Mm. I drew upon my stamina as a triathlete. I drew upon my time in the business community. I understood the audiences that I was speaking with. All these things coming together to be utilized in your current, at that point, endeavor. And um, that has, like you said, that was like 10 years ago. And mm-hmm. since that time, I can't imagine the number of audiences of all types that you have been and had opportunity to speak with. But you talked about how, you know, if, you know, for the idea of 
failure. Uh, I, I really that 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 word is such a charged word, right? Because mm-hmm. it could be seen mm-hmm. as well. I I failed as an author because I didn't sell all my books. If that is your measuring stick, or I right. failed at my message because the farmers just weren't really understand. You know, it wasn't <laughs> having anything to do with their true reality. But it does not seem like you keyed in on those aspects, other than like lesson learned, duly noted. And now on to the next thing. Now, well, um, yeah, and I just, I just needed to just like, just, I just felt when it was over, I felt like a thousand pound weight was lifted off me. I just needed to do it. I didn't really, I mean, yes, I cared. I mean, if I sold any books or whatever, how they responded to it. But I mean, just like actually doing it that first time was just enough for me. And you talk about being vulnerable you know, mm-hmm. and uh, how important that that is also to the soul growth and development is to say, you know, a I don't know how to speak in public comfortably. It's very challenging for me to admit that to people is actually the vul- aspect of vulnerability. And then to actually then move through that and stand on a stage in front of people is also working through your vulnerability. Mm-hmm. You know, um, absolutely. I just really want to say one thing. This is like, yeah, please. (laughs) No, I was going to say, and one other thing I also did at that same time was I took an acting class. Now, I had no plans on acting, but um, I'm sure we'll get back to it in a little bit on how I kind of got into actually really acting. But I just wanted Mm -hmm. to make a comment, though. after I moved to LA not quite six years ago and started studying acting and, and, and you know, getting up in front of people and really, it, it was such a, an important um, uh, tool for me to, to learn how to feel more in public, you know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. as well as be in front of a camera. So it's, it's really been an education in and of itself. Um, and it's been very cathartic. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. so there's, there's a lot of vulnerability definitely in acting. That catharsis feeling of something being able to really be released and moved through, um, stage fright, fear of failure, uh, even, you know, your conversation with your father when you, you know, you share the story of how when you approached him about your unhappiness and wanting to do something different, that it was a moment of catharsis, not just for you, but he also then acknowledged an aspect to you in that moment mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and he had said that, you know, he was supportive of you following your true inner happiness because had he thought differently or, or been, more empowered even in himself, he would have chosen a different kind of vocational pathway too. And I'm Absolutely. sure that observing his son kind of move through that, of course, parents are like, oh, we see you from a mile away. <laughs> you know, the kids are always like worried, worried, right? And the parents are like, yeah, we see what's happening. We just love you anyway, you know. Uh, and he very clearly gave you that message that, you were no less valuable to him as a son because of not wanting to be in that moment. And that had to be a relief, relief for him as well, 
to see you be able to stand mm-hmm. in your authenticity as well, you know. Well, thank you for saying that. Yeah, no, I never really, yeah, I mean, I thought about it like that, but not really like you just mentioned it. So that's really, that was very sweet. Yeah. Well, we hold so many yeah. things in our energy, right? We, we tr- like being a human, isn't that easy, right? Because we're being human oh my in gosh, a world no. where we're seeing <laughs> ourselves through our external environment, and that includes other people, which by mm-hmm. mirroring, that can be painful and fraught with attention for us, uh, depending on how strong we are in our personal identity. And you know that's really key as you get you know your themes of authenticity, honoring your inner nudge, and following your inner compass to do that which makes you happy and balanced and fulfilled. All of those things are are they leave you open to ridicule. They leave you open to judgment mm-hmm. from those who don't mm-hmm. understand it. And so mm-hmm. you know I I definitely feel like your story of doing that is absolutely helping people you know i mean it's given me so much just to talk about in our conversation this evening um thank you now so you're at this point then you're speaking you've got your book you're speaking you're doing your workshop and then how is the acting presented like what then came up in your soul that says you know Mm -hmm. what you did all this, but guess what? Now there's something else that, that we want to do. <laughs> well, so I took an acting class around that same time as well. Just um, the, I kind of found a mentor in my community college speech classes, uh, a, a gentleman named Joe Giampapa, a wonderful man. He'd written some books and did a lot of motivational speaking himself and just very, very uh, high vibrational and kind. And he kind of took me under his wing and, he also um, taught acting. And so he told me about the class. And so I thought, well, that'd be another way for me to just to be more comfortable, hopefully up, you know, in front of folks. And so I took it and I didn't really plan on doing anything after that. But I think a week or two after the class finished, I had a dream about uh, a, uh, like a story about a street guitarist. I know that kind of sounds odd, but mm-hmm. when I woke up, it was one of those dreams that you just like, this is important. I need to write it down. And mm-hmm. so I did. And mm-hmm. I then met a young filmmaker a few weeks after that. And I just thought, you know, his name was Michael Sweeney. I said, Michael, mm-hmm. I have this idea for a short film. I don't know how to make a film. I've never acted before, but would you want to do it with me? And he said, Sure. And so we found ourselves on the streets of Reno at night for about three or four nights in a row. And we filmed um, the little eight minute short guitar man that I wrote. Mm -hmm. And, and I felt like it was a a unique way to be able to put a lot of good messages in to a a film. And, um, and so while we did it, I just felt alive and it ended up doing Mm -hmm. well at film festivals. And it just like, Whoa, woke me up. Like initially I thought the the way that I was going to, you know, how I told you when I was three, I was put it to inspire people and I thought it would be through mm-hmm. books. But after that happened, you know, wow, there's, there can be a multitude of ways. Mm-hmm. And so um, somebody else saw that and gave me uh, the lead in their short film, which had a really nice message. And, and I just felt like it was time to move to LA after my son graduated from high school. I felt complete in Reno. And I moved here um, in the middle of 2013. 
and just I love that. Yeah, that I felt complete. complete. That, that, you know, that's mm. that's you weren't complete as a person. It wasn't like you were tapping out of everything. Like ah, no, that but then just like area. I've completed the energy in that area. That's really an interesting way of speaking of what you felt. You know. Yeah. Yeah, thank I, you. And so, I saw Guitar Man, mm-hmm. and I will absolutely uh, be sharing it with my community because <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was so – it was inspiring. And, and it's very short. Like you said, it was eight to ten minutes, something like that. And mm-hmm. I thought it was well filmed, first of all, it, you know, for your first film. Oh, wow, right? Well, Michael is <laughs> um, very talented. Yes, he shot that, okay. yes. Yeah, but it was like a great – what made me stop is that I'm one that I always honor the street musician. If you're mm. sitting there playing your instrument uh, out in public for obviously like yeah. pure enjoyment of yourself generally, you know, because it's certainly not a big economic draw to that, although for some people that's all they have, but I honor the sharing of your talent. So the fact that you're – central character is, you know, the guitar man arrested me from the beginning, <laughs> you know, and then oh, it was one of those feel good kind of, <laughs> oh, make you think, you know, kind of moments that we see now so much of uh, in terms of social media moments or whatever, but no, it was very, very good, and so, you know, kudos for changeable, oh, life changeable <laughs> moments. <laughs> I'd never played a guitar in front of anybody prior to that. I was I was a closet guitarist, and so it just it was very empowering for me in a lot of different ways. Mm. That that film. Repeated yeah. lessons. You keep talking about these vulnerable experiences used to push through to empowerment, empowering moments. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So I no. come to L.A. and I just continued the process. You know, just really stepping out of my comfort zone and. And uh, going to auditions, hundreds of auditions, and being told no, and you know, getting a few, and it was just it's it's <laughs> it's not an easy business, <laughs> but I just kept learning, and I kept kind of, I don't know, you know, just uh, learning an education too, getting an education. Now you're so you're currently in. Uh, I mean, this but habits for success is currently you know working its way up the charts of sales <laughs> and this is I'm your hoping, most yes. <laughs> this is your most recent book correct yes yes uh, it just came out have, a few, uh, three um, months ago okay okay i thought it was uh fairly fresh hot off the presses um so you're auditioning you're in la you're auditioning for acting like what else is your life looking like at this particular moment well I took a little bit of a step back in the acting last year um, to write this book. I also released a children's book last year. So it was a busy year in, in doing a lot of that. Um, but I, going forward, you know, I have a small part in the show that should be airing pretty soon on, um, on a cable channel. <clears throat> and um, so I hope that that does well. But um, otherwise, I'm pretty much just you know, I haven't really done a lot of speaking yet. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really, that's kind of the last frontier for me. Yes, I did a TEDx and stuff, and I've done a few other things, but that is really what I want to get into doing more. It's just kind of got to figure out a way. I'm still kind of um, figuring out a way to do it that feels 
that feels right for me. It's hard to, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it does. <laughs> yeah, but, but um, I've got, you know, I got hired to speak in Sweden this September, so I'm really excited about that. And I've got mm-hmm. some other stuff coming up as well. And so it's, um, you know, I'm still working through, working through some stuff, you know, and, uh, but, but I've got that coming up. I've got book signings. Um, you know, I, I create my own videos. Uh, I love to do spoken word. And so I'm going to put a few more videos out in that realm. And uh, it feels like I missed mm-hmm. a few things. But, um, you know, I'm just, I'm open too. You know, I'm, I, I love to collaborate and uh, just kind of keep, keep hopefully reaching more and more people. So are you actively available for speaking uh, engagements at this time? Or is that less your, yeah, your focus? Okay, Absolutely. and so uh, would people want to reach out to you for that? Uh, how is it? G, your website then? Yeah, they can just uh, reach me at uh, gbrianbenson.com, and there's a contact page there. They can send me an email. Um, just gbrianbenson.com. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things about this this habit, as I was reading, you know, habits for success. I just was thinking, wow, this is like, you know, something to almost have, like, well, of course, book club, but it'd be like beyond a book club because uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's each one of these chapters is really a, a lesson in and of itself. And I have a couple of friends who are involved in doing a group, uh, like group therapy, a group work type of mm-hmm. uh, fulfilling mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I'm absolutely passing on my little almost dog-eared because uh, I, I, I'm sorry, I must admit I am folding over pages, but as opposed to marking on the pages, I'd rather fold it than write in it. You know, something in my library and heart just won't let me do that. But um, I, I, I'm absolutely recommending this for people who are wanting to look at, like, growing themselves and approaching their lives in a different way. I think it's just got a lot of good meat in it. <laughs> um, so I, just to give you my personal thank feedback, you. I'm definitely no, giving it five stars. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I mean, you know, that, that reminded me one more thing. Um, I do, I'm also a coach. I do some coaching. I have some clients. And I'm, I was okay. wanting to – I was thinking about actually – doing what you just mentioned, um, maybe like doing some, some online kind of group stuff where we go over the book, you know, go, go over a few chapters Absolutely. of a session or something. And, and, um, and I, you know, I'd like to get that going as well. Well, absolutely. I would say if you're not, definitely it is, it, you know, as I was looking at it, I was like, well, this is a working book. This is not just a light entertainment. This has something that I need to pause and sit with these. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be next to The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle and The Four Agreements on my little booklet. <laughs> you know uh-huh. You're, you're uh, extremely so. kind. Thank you. Well, I'm saying like work books that you work with, you know, yeah. they come to you yeah. in the time when you need the material that's in them. And so, uh, you know, I, I think there's equality of all of the content, you know. Well, um, thank you. I mean, there's you just there's a way you can just like, yeah, it's in kind of an evergreen book and you just pick it up and you just flip open a page and sometimes it's just exactly what you need to hear at that moment So remind yourself. Yes. Now, you did mention that you uh, do spoken word, and there are, you know, 
I think that whole cool like that vibe of the, you know the snapping fingers kind of uh, well that, that, that was so hype. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I would be too shy well, to do it like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know the whole the whole but, uh, idea yeah. of articulating ourselves in a creative way. You know, a mm-hmm. spoken word mm-hmm. gives people an opportunity to say, "Well, I'm not a poet because if it was." Poet, I would need to do this, and it need to be in pentamic, iambic, pentamic, whatever, right? But like in spoken word, we really have come to a place where people are expressing themselves, and it's the mm-hmm. quality of the words and the concept of the words that are presented. And this is not something then you'll see in English literature, or high school required reading, but it is certainly <laughs> something that speaks to people and poetry and spoken things is a very personal way of connecting and in your interspersed throughout your book you have several uh, powerful pieces and one of them uh, that I would love it if you would share is uh, light Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> I think I think I have that one memorized. I, I at least let's hope I do. Uh, if not, I can dive into the book. I don't I don't know what page it's on, but <clears throat> okay. Oh, page sixty-eight. <laughs> okay. Well, I will go there if I need to. So I wrote this in, way back in 2011, and it's interesting. When I wrote it, I kind of felt like here, I, you know, here I am, like. Well, after you hear the words, uh, you know, I wanted just to remind people, but, but, you know, I later on was realizing that was for me first and foremost, you know, I mean, I'm just trying to remind myself, but okay. So here we go. Light. Can you see your light inside you? It shines both day and night, leading you both near and far, keeping your path in sight. Can you feel your light inside you? As it courses through your veins, inspired greatness housed within to share for all to gain. Can you taste your light inside you, flavored sweet and pure, water, land, and truthful food, grant energy and cures? Can you hear your light inside you as it comes to you in song, guiding you to flow each day, helping you stay strong? Can you touch your light inside you? Compassion, joy, and heat. A tender kiss, a warm embrace. Rituals to be complete. Can you sense your light inside you? It's spoken from within. Hunches, feelings, heartfelt signs. Giving life a whole new spin. And will you trust your light inside you? Your gifts, your being, your core. True greatness lay in wait to be shared, enjoyed, explored. That is very moving. I noticed that your logo uh, behind your name is a beautiful sunburst, you know, and I think that that is so perfect. You know, um, of course, one of the things and goals of this show is for others to be a light, a lighthouse, a way shower, 
um, that others can look at externally, which you certainly are doing. But everything that you're speaking about, as you said, is turning to look for and experience the light within. And, I, you know, I, I could not help but resonate that as part of my own personal journey. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. thank you from my heart to yours wow. for that expression and for being uh, vulnerable and for being authentic and being the inspiration that your soul knew you were called to be. Oh, thank you, you for the have, kind words. Do you have any kind of, uh, well, anything that uh, I missed about your world that you want to make sure is shared with our listeners? Hmm. Well, I don't know. You were, you did an amazing job of really digging in there, and I think we covered a lot of stuff. You know, ultimately I just, like I touched on earlier, just want to remind people that, that they are enough, you know, just being who they are mm. and what they have to work with. And, and, um, you know, as I, as I work on that and learn that and accept that and, you know, come into alignment with that, I just want others to do the same thing. And, um, you know, yeah, you know, there's one other, do you have time if I do one more poem, your voice? Cause I think it fits perfectly. They kind of go hand in hand. They're different yet. They're, Similar and 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 another do. way of just kind of sharing that message. Okay, all right. <laughs> and I will tell you, I okay. have another one that I'm gonna queue up that I want you to do before as the final, you know, before we close. Okay. So I absolutely receive the one that you are called to share. <laughs> all right, this is called your voice, and I think it just kind of fits in um, with what we've just been chatting about. Your voice creates a ripple over land and well beyond. Truthful words vibrate lifted to create a loving bond. Your voice can be your freedom or your voice can be your hell. Mindful heed and word and thought send forth love and light to gel. Your voice can give permission to another seeking truth. Authentic centered living taps into eternal youth. Your voice can be the difference to set a young child free loving words to encourage, a model for them to be. Your voice is your ready key to unlock your truthful worth. Spoken pure, life now renewed, energized, loving rebirth. Your voice gives inspiration to those afraid to speak. Reassuring tones shared true helps others gain their peak. Your voice is a kindred link When spoken face-to-face, true connection, eyes unite before texting took its place. Your voice is your true freedom when it's spoken from the heart. Intuition's guiding path helps you play your destined part. And your voice is fundamental for all life and love to flow. Empowered, valued, perfect, painting a worldly glow. So that was absolutely a gift for me personally. It touched me on many levels. I had not got to that Mm. one in the book yet, so it was new to me. Mm. But it's Mm. 
an encouraging word for me on my journey as the vibrarian, <laughs> you know. And so, <laughs> yeah. And thank you for that. <laughs> for that. Okay, okay. Let me get myself together You're here. Awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, my guest this evening is G. Brian Benson. And, Brian, thank you for sharing about uh, just the tip of the iceberg of who you were and who you have become and who you are growing into. I absolutely plan on staying connected with your mm-hmm. Facebook page, uh, G. Brian Benson Media, if you're looking to key it into um uh, Facebook uh, at G Brian Benson Media will pull up his page, and uh, of course through your website as well. But I will be staying tuned because I would love to see what you do next and participate in any of the facilitating of workshops or things that you're doing or any future books that you publish. I will absolutely be also sharing when I finish. Uh, making my way through the chapters on this as well with my um my good vibe tribe and community. Um for those of you who are tuning in for those of you who are tuning in uh, to these programs, I thank you so much. I'm here every Tuesday, and these conversations, I enjoy them immensely for myself, and it's absolutely an honor for me to be able to share these stories uh, with the rest of you. Uh, the, you can download on iTunes or Stitcher, any of the podcast directories for those who like to listen in their car afterwards. This will also be available on the Vibrary YouTube channel for future people to encounter when the time is right for them to have that inspiring story of your life and the things that you did. Um, I am back on Thursday for the Vibrarian Show. This week, my guest is Monique Ruffin, who is an amazing astrologer. She is going to be talking with us about the moon and what's the big deal about the moon, why it's important, if it can move the tides, how it moves us. And so she's going to work on demystifying some of that for us. And coming up, we've got... uh, the big psychic fair in Roswell, Georgia, the 1st of April. I've got another several weeks of guests lined up for you on Tuesday evenings, and I do hope that you return for our next conversation on the Psychic Inside Show. Brian, as we close out, would you please share your piece, We Are Meant to Succeed? Absolutely. Do you know what page that's on? The other two I had memorized. But it that is one on 103. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And before we get, because I'm sure it's going to be a nice little emotional end to that, because I already know I love it, but uh, thank you, Brian, for coming on the show this evening and for sharing this work and for all that I mentioned before, truly, truly. I honor the light in you as it has shown and illuminated me as well. Thank you, Joel. I really appreciate it. You have an amazing you're a very kind person. You have an amazing, a lot of amazing energy, and uh, it was it was wonderful speaking with you. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm serious. Yeah, I've I've been on lots of interviews and stuff, and uh, you just you're very kind-hearted, and uh, it comes through. I received that. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. All right, so we are meant to succeed. 
Have you ever felt whiny, angry, or sad, or tired and frustrated, and then acted mad? You're not alone. We've all been there before, when we're all out of sorts and acted quite poor. Take heart and take heed. It's the balance of life. Some days we're quite happy. Others feeling some strife. The key to this game is to understand how it's played. When you know what to expect, your confusion will fade. Love flows in balance. It's where we should be. Not too high, not too low, but the middle, you see. Be thankful and happy for where you are at. Life here is for learning. It's as simple as that. So during those times when it's tough or unsure, take a step back and think thoughts, good or pure. Remember a time when you had some success. Believe in yourself and never, ever second guess. Your life is perfection, the good times and bad, the easy and the tough, the happy and the sad. Each challenge brings a chance to grow and become whole, to learn from your mistakes and reconnect with your soul. We are meant to succeed, so take heart and take flight. Throw out your fears and give way to love's light. Your destiny beckons your true nature at hand. Live life to the fullest. It's fantastic and grand. And so it is, and so it will be. <laughs> G. Brian Benson, thank you so much for joining me in the conversation this evening. Blessings to you mm. on your journey, and thank you. And namaste to all of you. Mm. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Blessings as well. It was my pleasure. Good night. <laughs>